Live by faith. May your faith truly be a dependence lived on your God. May our worship be lit up as we celebrate the God who is not keeping himself secret, but he's making himself clear. Well, it's a privilege to share God's word with you today. My name is Mark Schuler. I'm the pastor of adult ministries here at Summit Point. And uh, why don't I just encourage you to open up to Genesis 18. Go ahead and turn there, Genesis 18. And as you're getting there, uh, let me start with this. A few weeks back, we were in the book of Habakkuk. And uh, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, if you remember, there's a verse there that says, the righteous shall live by faith. And that really is kind of a springboard to our new series here that we've been in called Live by Faith. And in this series, we've been looking at some Old Testament examples of those who lived uh, by faith in God. And so last week, we looked at Abraham. Pastor Tim preached on Abraham's faith. And now uh, today, we're going to look at Abraham's wife, Sarah, and uh, we're going to look at her faith. So the title of the message is called A Faith to Trust. So go ahead and get to Genesis 18. That's where we're going to start. And if you're taking notes, here's our first point. Uh, Worship your God and place your heart humbly under his knowledge, power, and love. So as I started to do some prep on this, As I started to do some prep on Sarah, God reminded me, and I wanted to share this with you from the very start, that this story and this message today is not ultimately about Sarah, it's about God, amen? Sarah, yes, is important for sure, she's a part of the story, but this is about what God did. Yes, Sarah has faith in God, but this isn't a story of how incredibly trusting Sarah is, it's a story about how incredibly trustworthy God is. This, church, this is not a story of how Sarah never wavered in her faith, like, look how perfect she is. No, this is a story about how God never wavers in keeping his promises, like, look how perfect he is and will always be. Okay, so in order for us to understand what's going on here in Genesis 18, I need to give you a brief summary of what God has already done before we even get there so this all makes sense. So you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to start in Genesis 11 because this is the first mention of Abram and Sarai. God would later change their names to Abraham and Sarah, right? Abraham meaning father of a multitude and Sarah meaning mother of nations. And that really is a God thing. Because in Genesis chapter 11, in verse 30, it says that Abraham and Sarah, they got married. And then the next thing it says is that Sarah was barren. She had no child. You notice how it says that twice for dramatic effect. Sarah was barren. She had no child. This kind of sets up the story of the miraculous. All right, this sets it all up. Like Sarah is barren. She had no child. Dun, dun, dun. What is going to happen here? Right? That's what's going on. The Bible wants us to know right away that what's going to happen here is unmistakably God. All right? So I'm going to give you the summary. Are you ready? Are you with me? All right, kind of buckle up here. I'm going to give this to you fast. We're going to cover 25 years of their life, all right? This is not an easy job, but I'm going to give it to you. All right, Genesis 12. It's where we were last week. Abraham is 75. Sarah's 65. This is where their biblical account starts. I wonder how old you are. 
Abraham's 75, Sarah's 65. This is where their biblical account starts. This is kind of more of a retirement age than let's start a family age. But it's here that God introduces the Abrahamic covenant that Abraham and Sarah are going to have a child. And God promises, we saw this last week in Genesis 12 too, God says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, Abraham, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, catch this, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God's promising a family here. So if you fast forward to chapter 15, uh, God formalizes this covenant now. So Genesis 15, 18 says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying to your offspring, Abraham, I will give this land. And God keeps his promises, amen? God makes the covenant. He's promising a family. This will be a great nation coming from the lineage of Abraham and Sarah. But if you know the story, Abraham and Sarah are getting older, and they're kind of getting restless. So by the time you hit Genesis 16, All right, 11 years have gone by. That's a long time. 11 years. Abraham is now 86. Sarah is 76. Listen, no children yet. Sarah's losing heart. She's barren. She has no kids. She makes a decision here for God. And she decides here that God has prevented her from having kids. And really he has for now. God has a different timing in all of this. But he's going to come through. He keeps his promises. But Sarah doesn't believe the promise. So she comes up with an idea for Abraham to take another wife and to have children with her. Everybody say bad plan. Very bad plan. But it's hard to wait, isn't it? Especially when you wrongly believe that you're the problem. But Abraham does it. This is bad leadership, right? He takes Hagar to be his wife. They have a son named Ishmael. Genesis 17, 13 years later, between Genesis 16 and 17, there's 13 years go by. Ishmael is 13. Abraham's 99. Sarah is 89. Sarah is still barren. No child. God comes. He reaffirms this covenant with Abraham. And he says to Abraham now, and he gives him further detail, he says, next year at this time, Abraham, you and Sarah, it's happening, you're going to have a son. I know what you did, but I keep my promises. Next year at this time, you're going to have a son. And through him, the son that you have with Sarah, not Ishmael, through him will be my everlasting covenant. I will be your God. I will be his God. I will dwell with you. I will dwell with him from this son and your descendants will come. The nation of Israel from him. Listen, kings will come. And through this line, church, this is so awesome. We see the outpouring of God's redemptive plan. Because church, as you follow this line, listen, spoiler alert. Through Abraham and Isaac, his son, and Jacob, that line leads all the way to King David. That lineage keeps going through King David all the way to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Here's another way to say it. Abraham's son that God is promising here with Sarah, that line would continue 
all the way to God's son, Jesus Christ. Don't you love the Bible? It is so awesome. That's why in Matthew, when Matthew opens up this awesome gospel, he starts out Matthew 1.1. What does it say? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's so amazing. Everybody say, God has a plan. God has a timing. Say that. One more time, God keeps his promises. Abraham doesn't understand it all yet. He's just trusting God one day at a time, just like we do. God's unfolding this plan. So back to Genesis 17, he says, Abraham, you're going to have a son with, with Sarah next year. Abraham actually falls down on his face and laughs. He's like, really? Are you serious? He laughs. He's like, God, I'm going to be 100. Sarah's going to be 90, really? A son now? And God says, yes, and call his name Isaac, which means, I love this, he laughs. Call his name, he laughs. Call his name Isaac. I think God has a sense of humor, don't you? I mean, this is great. Genesis 18. That's the chapter I had you open to. Now, I needed to give you all that history for all this to make sense of what we're going to see here. All of that is a huge deal. Genesis 18. Three men show up at Abraham and Sarah's house. All right, these are no ordinary men. Two of them are angels, and actually one of them is God himself appearing in human form. This is going to be awesome. Can you imagine? Put yourself in the story Abraham spots them. He runs over. He urges them, please stay for a meal. Sarah, guess who's coming to dinner? Might want to get out the nice plates, right? This is quite a dinner party. And I wonder, I was thinking about this, who's the most important person you've ever had over for a meal? Sarah doesn't know it yet, but she's hosting two angels and the Lord himself. She cooks, they eat, and here we go. Church, God is so good and so personal. He's so good. He's so personal. I hope you know that. God had met with Abraham through the years like I showed you, right? Abraham believes God now for his promise and his plan. It's time to make a visit to Sarah. God is seeking Sarah out here. How do I know? Look in your Bible, uh, Genesis 18, verse 9. They said to him, where is Sarah? Where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, she's in the tent. God knows where Sarah is. God wants Sarah to know where he is, right here. And so verse 10, it says, the Lord said, really important. Go ahead and circle that. I got that one circled in my Bible. The Lord said, this is God speaking. This is God dropping by the house on a normal afternoon. In his immeasurable love and constant grace, he goes to Sarah to assure her of this plan with Isaac. Both her and Abraham were chosen for a special purpose, both of them. God wants Sarah to know it. And so God says in verse 10, the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. So you get the picture. God says this to Abraham, knows that Sarah's right there. She overhears it. So exciting, right? 
This is amazing. God's plan is finally here. Sarah must be so excited. Well, look at verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, that's a, that's a respectful term for Abraham, her husband, um, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? She laughs. She overhears it and laughs, but it's, it's inward. So inwardly, it's like, ha, sure, <laughs> right. It's all happening inside. The doubt, the unbelief, the skepticism is all happening in her own heart as she overhears the conversation with God and Abraham. She silently laughs. She basically says inward, yeah, sure, I'm too old. I'm too worn out. Maybe years ago, not anymore. I'm almost 90 years old. No way. My body doesn't work that way anymore. I don't think so. This was a joke. And think of how she feels. 25 years have gone by since Genesis 12 and God's introduction to them of what his plans and promises were. She's about 90. She has no kids. It didn't work. Why get her hopes up? She doesn't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And listen, how would you feel if a total stranger showed up at your house, had dinner, and said, you're going to have a kid at 90? You may kick him out of the house. She laughs. We could hardly blame her. Abraham does too in Genesis 17. But listen, the one time Sarah meets God that we see in the scripture, the one time she meets God, she kind of laughs in his face. You ever wish you could go back and do something over? But here's the beautiful thing about God. I love this so much about God. He's so patient. He's so, he's so gentle. He's so kind. He's so loving. Even as we wrestle with our doubts and our confusion, he treats us as beloved children. He is the perfect father. God responds, how? But with a tender question. And really repeats the thoughts of her mind so, so she would know. Verse 13, the Lord said, if you feel comfortable there, circle that one too in your Bible. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? He responds, why did she laugh and say this? Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Right here, Sarah must know it's the Lord. Who else would know her innermost doubts and thoughts? Listen, God knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. And he loves you. Far from scolding Sarah here, God assures her with this awesome statement of who he is. Look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Right? It's like, why did Sarah respond this way and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer, church, is No. God is God. With God, all things are possible. So God goes ahead and he repeats the plan in verse 14. He's like, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for me? And he repeats it. At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah's listening. She's now afraid. Look at verse 15. 
But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. (laughs) She, She knows she's in the presence of God. How would you feel? She kind of laughed in unbelief. She now knows she's in God's presence. She denies it, and God gently reminds her, no, yeah, I did. You did. Aren't you glad that even when you doubt and struggle, that God still keeps his promises? Man, I'm so thankful for that. He's so faithful. Here's the lesson for Abraham and Sarah and for all of us, that nothing is too hard for the Lord that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Look, God wanted, I wrote this down, God wanted the birth of Isaac to be an undeniable miracle. Nobody else gets the credit for this. God himself alone. He wanted it to be impossible for Sarah so that everyone would know that Abraham and Sarah worship the God of the impossible. And, And in doing it this way, God stretches the faith of Abraham and Sarah so that they learn this lesson that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Church, worship this God. Place your heart humbly under his knowledge, his power, his love. There's nothing that's too hard for him. God has a plan. God keeps his promises, and God has all the power to carry it out. Sarah should have looked at the power of God and not on her impossible circumstances. In fact, I've heard this said before, that for every look you take at your circumstances, take 10 looks at Christ. And that's really helped me. For every look you take at your circumstances, take 10 looks at Christ. Church, as believers, we need to view all of life through God's character and God's promises in his word. Look, he will never change. His word will never fail. He will never change. His word will never fail. In fact, in our house, we have this illustration that we use. It's called the frame. Go ahead and put that up. I want to have you guys take a look at this. This little illustration we use in our home called the frame. And we got a graphic there. The idea is, as you're kind of taking a look at that, the idea is we try to take each thought captive to the truth of God's word, and all of our circumstances, we try to run through the frame, the lens, the frame there of God's perfect character. So you can see the thoughts and the circumstances. So whatever enters into my mind and enters into my life, I view it through the lens or the frame of who God is and what God has said. So I frame everything then through, right, the fact that God, you could put any attribute in here of God that you want, Here's the ones that we use, that God is all-powerful. Seeing that right here in the text, that God is all-wise, that he has all the wisdom, that God is all-loving, completely and perfect in his love, and that God is always purposeful, right? Those are really important to be able to understand and to run our life through. So we view life through who God is and what God says in his word. And I don't know about you, but so Stacy and I have the freedom to say to each other when we're struggling, because I can struggle in my thoughts. I can struggle when I look at my circumstances. So we have the freedom to be able to say to each other, it sounds like you need to frame that. It sounds like you need to frame it. 
That's what Sarah needed to do right here in Genesis 18. She needed to frame it. So let me ask you, what's going on in your life right now that would seem too hard for God? Maybe I could ask you this way. What thoughts or circumstances do you need to frame in your life? Another way to say it would be this. Like, what promises do you need to trust God for? All right? What's going on in your life that would seem too hard for God? What thoughts or circumstances should you run through the frame? And what promises in God's word right now do you need to trust God for And I believe God is working right now through the powerful Spirit of God speaking to us. And so just jot it down, whatever it is that God is saying there. Point one, worship your God and place your heart humbly under his knowledge, power, and love. Here's point number two, Uh, celebrate God's blessings in your life no matter how small or how large. Celebrate God's blessings in your life no matter how small or large. So go ahead and flip over to Genesis 21. Genesis 21, this, this chapter highlights the birth of Isaac and God, the fulfillment, really, of God's plan and promise that we have looked at. So we're going to look at Genesis 1, uh, 21, 1 to 7 on the second point. And um, here's the first thing it says. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, I underlined that, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised, I underlined that. God visits Sarah. He visits her as he said. He does as he had promised. Everybody say, that's my God. That's my God. Promise keeper. Miracle worker. It goes on to say, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I love this. Look back at verse 6. This is Sarah now speaking after the birth of Isaac. And she says, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears it will laugh over me. Who made laughter for her? God did. God did this. And this is so cool. This really is a tale of two laughters. It's not like Sarah has never laughed before in her life. It's not like this is the first time. But this is different because you remember back in Genesis 18, she laughs in unbelief and maybe even some bitterness in her heart because she was barren. There's unbelief, there's doubt. But in Genesis 21 here, she laughs again. And she laughs with wonder and awe and joy because of God. And because of God's grace, we can laugh with wonder and awe. Listen, joy can fill our lives as we celebrate Him, the God of the impossible, And I was thinking about this, all who hear the laugh then get to hear the testimony of this amazing God. All who hear the laugh get to hear the testimony. Don't you think people asked her? 
Don't you think people inquired of it? We're reading about it still today in God's word that he preserves. Don't you think when Sarah walked around at 90 with a baby on her hip, all right, get the picture, people were like, Grandma, right? Nope. <laughs> Let me tell you the story. And she laughs with awe and wonder and joy. And everybody begins to hear. And I don't know about you, but I love this. I love that God names their son Isaac. Remember, Isaac means he laughs. I love this because now every time they call their son, every time they call him by name, come here, Isaac. Good morning, Isaac. Hello, Isaac. How you doing, Isaac? Every time they call his name, they get to remember what his name means. And they remember that God did this. That God changed their laughter. He changed their laughter from doubt and unbelief to awe and wonder and joy. We celebrate God and his blessings. We celebrate him no matter how small or large the package he sends them in. Look at verse 7 to close here. And she said, again, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? You, you can hear the awe and the wonder. Who would have said this, right? That's the point. Who, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children. That's the point. To the human eye, Sarah's kind of old for this mom of a newborn thing, right? But God did this on purpose. He did this his way to show that this is from him, that this is God's doing, that this is miraculous, and God's word always comes to pass. And God never fails to keep his promises, never. And so verse 7 finishes with the statement of the promise fulfilled all the way back from Genesis 12 all these years later, right? It's all fulfilled here now. God did it. And it says, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Who would have thought, Sarah says, God did it. And I bore him a son in his old age. God waited until their old age. He withheld from them a child, and then he gave them a child. And God did this in his timing to accomplish his plans, his purposes, and he fulfilled his promises so that no one else would take the credit for this. And remember, like I said earlier, the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would go through King David all the way to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Unbelievable. Everybody say, God is awesome. God is awesome. So, God waited because God was up to something, and God was up to something good. So, pause. And think about this for your life. God waited because God was up to something, and God was up to something good. Celebrate God. Celebrate him and the blessings that he brings into your life, both small and large. And I want to show you something here before I close this and how awesome God is. I want, to, I want to tie something together for you that I thought was really great in studying it this week. Listen, Sarah 
and Mary, the mother of Jesus, okay? Sarah is barren and past age, and from Abraham, God gives Isaac in a miraculous way. Mary is young and a virgin, and through the Holy Spirit, God gives Jesus in a miraculous way. To Sarah, God says, you remember back in 18, to Sarah, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? You will have a son. To Mary, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. You will have a son. And in both cases, it was overwhelmingly clear that God gave them sons. And listen, one of the sons, Isaac, would be the son of the father of a great nation. And the other son, Jesus Christ, would be the savior of all of the nations. We celebrate him. God has a plan. God keeps his promises. God is in control. Celebrate and worship God. He is awesome. So let me close with this. We saw this last week. We see it again. You're going to see it each week as we study these Old Testament examples. Is this, Sarah's a real person. There's times she had great faith. There's times she had real doubt in her life. There's times she made great decisions. There's times where she made very poor decisions, just like all of us. But let me ask you, as we look into her life and as we look into God impacting her life, how will Sarah's example help you the next time you encounter a situation that you believe to be impossible? It's cool to see, you don't have to turn there, but in Hebrews 11, kind of the hall of fame of faith, Sarah is even lifted up. In Hebrews 11, she's mentioned. Hebrews 11, 11, it says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. She considered him faithful who had promised. And so let me say this again. Aren't you glad that God is faithful even if at times we're not? Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises even if at times we don't? Aren't you glad that nothing is too hard for the Lord? Trust Him. Trust Him. God is completely trustworthy. God is to be wholeheartedly celebrated. What is it that's in your life right now happening that seems like such a mountain, that seems so difficult, that seems really to the human eye impossible? Just surrender that over to God. Surrender that. Ask for God's wisdom. Ask Him what He would do in that. Ask Him for His plan, for His promises to be seen in your life through all this, right? God is completely trustworthy, and God is to be wholeheartedly celebrated. Let's pray together. 